I was driving in a car with my mom, and we were turning on the road going to our house, and it was really cold out, like, freezing. And I said to mom, there's somebody in the field. And it was a pitch black figure, about six foot tall. He was wearing no sweater, no hat. He was just pitch black. And we went on home, and then the rest of the night, we were just weird about it. Yeah, so that's my story. I really love this podcast. Bye. Good evening, and welcome to Monsters Among Us. I'm your guide, Derek Hayes. Hey there, everyone, and welcome back to another spine-tingling installment. Locked, loaded, and ready to go. I can't tell you how great it is to have you here. And a huge thanks to our anonymous caller that opened the show. It certainly sounds like a terrifying experience. Especially since the entity was witnessed near our caller's home. But after hearing it, I'm left asking the same questions everyone else is. What was it? A shadow entity. A human-esque shape reduced to the darkened corners of our domain. Or perhaps a dark-colored beast the towering behemoth known as Sasquatch. Or, as Mark from Michigan explains, something right smack dab in the middle. Hey Derek, this is Mark from Michigan, central Michigan to be exact. My story starts out in the spring winter time, probably March of 2007 just gotten my driver's license the December before. I had come home from a sporting event at my high school and I had pulled into the garage and the garage has two windows that face outside. And I put my car in park and I'd caught something out of the corner of my eye. And so me being brave and 16 years old, I was gonna go and investigate it and see what it was. Maybe it was a wild animal or, or something along those lines. I grabbed my big mag light. I don't know if I was going to use it for protection or if I just wanted a light. My parents have these lights on top of the garage that shine out in the backyard. Anyway, I walked through. There's grass on the side with the windows, and I had shined the ground because it was still snowy and kind of muddy here in Michigan and there were no footprints. So I thought that was kind of odd. I'd gotten into the backyard and there was this monstrous black entity. I could almost say it was humanoid, but it was humanoid times two. The thing must have been 10, 12 foot tall. It was standing right in the light, but it just seemed like as soon as the light hit it, it just absorbed the light. I shined my mag light at it and the light got within just a few feet of it and just kind of dimmed out embarrassing to say but i i actually urinated a little bit in my pants and ran into the house at that time my parents were sleeping and i had woke them up saying there was something in the backyard both of my parents just kind of put it as my i had i had a wild imagination well After that sighting, weird things around the house had started to happen, such as cabinets in the middle of the night slamming. You could hear footsteps out in the kitchen. 
And between my sibling and my room, we had a little bit of like tile linoleum flooring. And every so often you could hear footsteps on that. And it almost sounded like whatever it was had these really sharp toenails that you could hear clicking as it would walk. On and off for the next few years, we had some various weird stuff happen around the farm. After that, my mom called in our pastor to come and bless the house because she had started noticing some strange stuff happening. Um, I had been blamed for some stuff, saying that I did it, and I was very adamant that I had not. The pastor had come out and prayed over the house and prayed over the property, and after that, nothing had really happened. Well, fast forward three or four years, I had moved out to North Dakota to work on the oil wells, and I was staying in this old house that a little girl had been taken down in the basement and found out later to be murdered. So on top of the screams down there, I was staying in like this makeshift room. I was actually sleeping on an air mattress in the laundry room of this house. And every so often you would hear along, the whole house had wood floors. Every so often you would hear something very heavily footed walk through the house and you could distinctively tell three different nails hitting on the floor as it was walking through, you could tell. I mean, it would almost shake the house when it would walk. A couple times you could almost hear it laughing, and it was a very deep and guttural laugh. I was staying with two other guys, and the guy said he had been hearing things as well, and he wanted to stay up and see it. So we both stood up, and we did, in fact, see it one evening in June up there in Plaza, North Dakota. It didn't have any type of facial features. It was just this big mass, and you could tell whenever it would take a step because you could hear the nails clicking, and, and the whole house would seem to just shake under the sheer weight of this thing. We had a church right across the street, so we called the parish over, and he blessed the house, and we hadn't heard from him the entire rest of my stay out there. I was out there about eight months. I'd moved back to Michigan probably about that August, had moved back and some strange things again had started it was almost like this thing was following me because I called the guys I was staying with and they said that everything out there had stopped other than the random screaming of the little girl in the basement but that's a story for a different time finally called the pastor out again after some nails clicking and we heard laughing going through the house the pastor and I sat down and he said that I should probably get back in touch with Jesus. I was born and raised a Christian. Back in my late teens, early 20s, I had kind of taken a, I guess, a rebellious phase, I guess you could call that. So I had started going to church. I had reacquainted myself with God, and I haven't seen him since. Well, I hope you could use my story, and thank you for what you do, Derek, and love the show. Bye. Thank you, Mark. Talk about the melding of two worlds. Of course, I'm not suggesting that the shadow entity that Mark frequently tangled with is or ever was a Sasquatch. But the clicking toenails do suggest some sort of earthly being. So as usual, this sent me on a goose chase that I already knew was doomed from the start. Now there are plenty of stories about shadow-like entities that terrorize unsuspecting victims. There's even some video out there claiming to have captured the elusive figure on camera. 
but no matter how often I do a dive on the subject, I always seem to come up short. That is, until this time. Imagine my surprise when I stumbled upon this article titled, There are actually several classes of shadow people, and they all want something different from you. And that list goes as follows. The hat man shadow man that watches silently. Aggressive shadow people attacking sleeping victims. Red-eyed specters that can sense fear. Hooded shadow figures that radiate sheer hate. Watchmen shadow figures that stare obsessively. Misty black shadow people that move like smoke. Elusive shadow people that will vanish if spotted. Shadow animals. And malevolent shadows that just want some company. The list also includes forced shadow people that aren't beholden to homes or buildings. And finally, rambling shadow people that completely ignore humans. Now the list is far from complete and far from official. But I'll be honest, it's the first I've ever seen of its kind. Now that list was from Ranker.com and it was actually published on September 23rd of 2021. Not all that long after I sent out my public request for someone to put together a list like this. I don't want to take all the credit here, but I'm sure I had something to do with this. Now feel free to read further into each class of entity on your own time. It's certainly a fascinating opinion on the phenomena. But I didn't see anything that seemed to describe what Mark experienced. Though even I wonder if what Mark experienced was a shadow person at all. Based on the description, it sounds more like what many researchers describe as an inhuman entity than your traditional shadow person. Exactly what the difference is there? Well, that's up to those researchers to explain. I'm just reporting what I heard. Thanks again, Mark, for taking the time to share that entry. Now, if you have a story you would like to hear on the show, a true story, give the hotline a call at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. Now, next up, we make our way to the state of Nebraska, where Andy has a report waiting for us. Hey Derek, this is Andy from Omaha, Nebraska. I guess I'm a repeat offender as you call it. I've uh, called with a couple stories in the past and thought everybody would enjoy a, a UFO story or two. This took place in 2012. It was a warm June night. My fiance at the time, we uh, went to a really late movie and by the time we got done and we're in the parking lot, we're, we were the only people there and it was 11.55 at night. Off in the distance on the horizon, I saw an incredibly bright amber-colored light. I knew it wasn't a star, and it appeared to be a craft of some kind that was moving, but it was too bright to be a plane or helicopter. So we watched it grow bigger and brighter as it got closer to us, and after about five minutes, it was right over top of us. It was a triangular craft, probably about the size of a private plane, you know, like a little Cessna or something, but it was triangle, and on the point of each area of the craft there was a amber colored light and then in the middle underside of the triangle there was a blinking white light and it was completely silent 
completely silent, wasn't even moving very fast. It's hard to estimate speed, but it didn't seem to be going more than about 50 miles an hour, maybe, tops. And it just glided over us uh, quietly. Interestingly enough, it was headed in the direction of Offutt Air Force Base, which is in the city of Bellevue, which is nearby Omaha. So it makes me wonder if it was military, but I've never seen anything like that. I mean, even if even if you're talking stealth fighter or stealth bomber, those things aren't quiet. They make noise. And this thing was whisper quiet. Only a year or two later, we had an even more uh, close encounter, you might say. My wife and I were sleeping. We were awoken uh, about 4 o'clock in the morning by the strangest sound. It, it, it almost sounded like a whirring noise or like, I don't know, almost like a kind of like a helicopter or some sort of craft. It was just like this. And it got to what sounded like right near the house, you know, right near the roof outside of our window. And the, the kind of humming noise of the vehicle stopped, if you will. And then I, I swear, I heard what sounded like a mix of an alien language, but it was almost like robotic sounding but they were pronounced words. I couldn't make out the words because it wasn't in English, but it just was this alien robotic talk. And then a second later, I heard the craft take off again, and it just took off and kind of faded off into the distance. And I I just sat there in bed, and I, I thought, there's no way I just heard what I thought I heard. So I didn't say anything. I didn't say a word. And a couple seconds later, my wife sits up in bed, and she's like, did you hear that? And I didn't want to put any ideas in her head. I just said, yeah. I heard something, what did it sound like to you? And almost word for word, she she described the same thing. She said it sounded like a craft descended right outside of our window, and then I heard some garbled alien robotic communication, you know, talking to each other, and then the craft took off again. I said, that's exactly what I heard too. So I don't know, if you're in the Midwest, especially if you're in the Omaha area, apparently keep your eyes to the sky because there's stuff up there that we don't know what it is. Anyway, I hope you can use that on the show, and uh, thanks for doing this for all of us. You do a really good job, Derek. Take care. Thanks, Andy. These black triangle sightings are a dime a dozen these days. There are so many reports that I myself am convinced there is something flying around out there. But is it alien, or is it something our military cooked up? If it is the latter... It's likely the TR-3B Black Manta, which is possibly the military's first anti-gravity vehicle. Now, according to Military.com, it doesn't officially exist. It uses highly pressured mercury accelerated by nuclear energy to produce a plasma that creates a field of anti-gravity around the ship. Conventional thrusters located at the tips of the aircraft allow it to perform all manner of rapid high-speed maneuvers, along all three axes. Now, interestingly enough, the plasma generated also reduces radar signature significantly, so it will almost be invisible on radar and remain undetected. This literally means that it can go to any country it likes without being detected by air traffic control and air defense systems. Now, honestly, how many of you would be surprised to learn that this is true? that the TR-3B is real and folks are seeing it across the country. Well, if it is, given the frequency at which it's sighted, I don't think it'll be a secret much longer. So thanks again, Andy, for calling that in. And if anyone is interested, the article I cited actually has some interesting daytime footage of two of these things in the air. 
escorted by a jet of some sort. You can find that link in tonight's show notes. Okay, so earlier this week, I gave the brand new app Wisdom a shot. I went live for about 40 minutes on Monday to discuss last week's episode and to hear some first-hand experiences real-time. Well, not only was the show a smashing success, according to my wife and business partner, Sarah, but we had a ton of fun putting it all together. So we're going to do it again this coming Monday, 1220. I will be live and you can join me. Just download the Wisdom app. As of now, the Wisdom app is iOS only, but we'll be sure to post that video on YouTube and our social medias once the live video has commenced. So once you're over on the Wisdom app, simply search for Monsters Among Us podcast and join us at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Monday, December 20th for a discussion about this episode, Season 12, Episode 14. Now again, that's the Wisdom app, December 20th, 5 Pacific, 8 Eastern. Now then, things are only going to get weirder from here. I can promise you that much. And we're going to begin with this anonymous caller from the state of Maine. Hey Derek, I just wanted to call and uh, say I love the show, it's awesome, and honestly it's helped me realize that I've actually been through a lot more paranormal stuff than I had actually ever thought. Listening to some of the entries and stuff, it just kind of brings up old stuff that I remember. I actually called a while ago about another case. This one's a little different from the other one that I dealt with. This goes back to 2009-2010. Me and my then-girlfriend, now wife, were living on our own in Maine. We actually currently live in Washington State now. But we were living in Maine. Her parents moved to Florida, and they were gracious enough to allow us to stay in their really, really old farm home in uh, rural Maine, and uh, basically rent-free. Uh, we paid utilities, you know, whatever. But uh, there were some strange happenings there pretty frequently, but this one night in particular scared my wife and I terribly. I used to work nights at a for lack of better words, foster home. And every time I got there, I always used to call my wife and let her know, hey, I'm safe. I made it here, have a good night, get some good rest. And this one particular evening, I got there and I called her and when she picked up, she was hysterical. And I was like, what's going on? Can you explain what's happening? And the phone, the, the line was really staticky and I could hear almost people talking through the phone over her. And I could hear our dogs were growling and she was panicking and she's like, there are people in the house. I can hear them walking around upstairs. We need to come home immediately. Naturally, I went to the house parents of that house and I said, hey, look, you mind staying up a little later? I need to make a run now ASAP to the house. There's someone in our house with my my wife in the house. And they were like, yeah, yeah, go, go ahead. So I, I stayed on the line as I was driving and I could still hear the voices and stuff in the background. And it was terrible. It was like, I could hear whispers and the reception was awful. And she kept freaking out and telling me, hey, they're still here, they're still here. You need to hurry up, where are you? And right before I turned down the road, I heard a loud bang through the phone and she screamed at the top of her lungs. 
and the dog started barking and I was like, what could, what, I was like, what is going on? And she's like, I don't know what just happened, but that loud bang came from my brother's room. Her brother's room was right next door. I was like, all right, don't panic. I'm pulling up to the house now. I'm not seeing any cars in the driveway. So whoever it is or whatever it is, they're on foot. So don't, don't worry if you hear the door open, it's me coming into the house. Don't panic, I'm here. So I go into the house and I scan the whole main floor for anybody that could be in the house because no one down there. And I eventually made my way upstairs to where she was at and she was huddled in the corner with the dogs crying and I was like what what happened where where where'd that noise come from once I had showed up she still heard the people downstairs before I walked in so I get upstairs and after she told me it came from her brother's room I opened the door and his AC unit that used to be in the window was all the way across the room unplugged and it it, was, it didn't just fall out of the window. Something or someone pulled it from the window and brought it all the way across his bedroom. And I have no way to explain it, neither did she to this day. It was a very bizarre experience, and it still gives me chills just thinking about it. Both of our accounts match up. It's just a, it was just a bizarre situation. Thank you, caller. That is certainly spooky. Is one of those stories that scares me the most. One that just might involve a living, breathing individual. Which to me is scarier than any haunting I've ever heard of. A stranger in the home. And it makes sense. Because let's say some bad guys decide they're going to break into the brother's bedroom to steal a specific item. Maybe they knew of some cash that he had hidden in the room or something. Well, they wait until our caller leaves the house, not knowing his wife was still inside. You know, it did seem like the activity occurred right after our caller's departure. Well, these baddies approach the brother's bedroom window in the window air conditioner unit and begin working it loose to make entry. Now, that could explain the commotion heard by the wife. And maybe the two would-be robbers argued a bit over how to remove the AC unit which could also explain the hushed whispers. And of course, when they couldn't jimmy the AC loose, they got angry and used brute force to clear it from the window, which could explain how the AC unit ended up across the room and could give an explanation for the loud boom heard by the couple. And lastly, our caller returned home just in time to foil a plan, sending the two perps packing as they heard him enter the home. Or maybe I've taken too many creative writing classes. Or perhaps there was something paranormal going on in the room. Regardless of the source of the mayhem, I think we're all relieved to know that our caller arrived home when he did. So thank you again for submitting that nail-biter. Now folks, don't forget that the holiday special is fast approaching. December 23rd, 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific, Streaming live on the internet, Facebook, YouTube, probably a few other places. That's where we're going to cut loose with some stories, some prizes, some awards, and some trivia, courtesy of our friend David Flora of Blurry Photos and Quiz Quiz Bang Bang. Oh, and our editor for the documentary, Matt. Well, he tells me that we're going to have a trailer ready for Shadows in the Desert, High Strangeness in the Brago Triangle. 
so I guess we'll also have the world premiere of that there as well. Unless, of course, you're a Kickstarter backer. We'll be emailing you soon. Again, that's December 23rd, 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific, live on the internet. And don't forget, if you have a holiday-themed story and you don't mind being on video, shoot me an email. I'm looking for a handful of stories to share throughout the special. Now back to some pre-recorded terror. And this time in the form of a story by John from the state of Illinois. Hey, Derek. I'm John. I'm from Northern Illinois. Um, New time listener. Been binge listening to you, and I absolutely adore your podcast. So I got kind of a weird one that happened to me in, I want to say, 97 or 98. So I was a teenager, and I remember it was that year because my mom drove a green Pontiac Bonneville at the time. I know it's kind of a weird trigger for that one, but... So we were driving down the road, and towards the end of my uh, main street there, there's a viaduct that has train tracks going across the top of it. There's a little windy tunnel that curves off to the left and it swings over to the right. Then you get out and go up a little hill and over these other tracks. The whole thing is surrounded by hills. So it's really one of those things where if they didn't have a stoplight there, you'd be having head-on collisions all the time. It's quite a dangerous drive before they put that uh, light in there. It was probably 9.30, 10 o'clock. I think it was mid-fall. It was a chilly night. I remember I had my uh, jacket on. And the light turns, and we go through. There's, like, one guy coming up the road behind us. And so we wind through the tunnel, swing around the other side, and as we hit the hill, our headlights hit this guy. He's standing off in this little grassy area on the side of the road. And what was most profound to me is that um, he was super tall, probably six and a half foot easily if he was anything solid black skin and i don't mean like person of color black this guy looked like ink he was like a void standing there Uh, i remember he was wearing all white like a white short sleeve shirt and white long pants and i couldn't really make out any profound facial features because it was literally like staring at the abyss and in this case the abyss stared back because i remember his eyes when our headlights hit his eyes they were huge. I mean, like anime character, huge and almond shaped. There were no whites or anything, just bright red, almost like they were luminescent to themselves. Like it's a profoundly deep. I'm an artist, so if I had to compare it to a color, it's like permanent red or rich scarlet or something like that. Super red, super creepy. So we hit this guy with our lights and we just kind of keep going along and I'm looking through the passenger side mirror there trying to get a look at him and this other car comes through and illuminates that side and I don't see the guy so he's there for a second when we light him up and then just gone so me and my mom are going down the road a little bit maybe a mile or so before she finally pipes up it's like hey John did you see that guy back there and (laughs) we just kind of have a moment of uh just like what the hell was this thing we just saw and we both saw the same thing we just you know she described it she saw someone with really dark skin with white clothing with huge bright red eyes you know since then um i've I've gotten a little bit familiar with shadow folks or shadow people and i've seen all kinds of random weird things i'm gonna be calling you a few times of stories but that was i've never heard of a shadow person wearing clothing uh, I tried to debunk it myself, thinking maybe it was a guy with colored contacts who just happens to be really dark. And, you know, with my experience of colored contacts in my adult age, I just don't think that could be replicated with those. That's my weird guy on the side of the road story me and my mom shared. 
I hope you can use this. I'm definitely going to continue to listen, check out your Patreon, and hey, thanks for doing what you do, man. Take care. Thank you, John. That is certainly a weird one. And I'm actually with John here. My first thought, too, was simply a man with dark skin. Maybe the white clothing contrasted against the dark skin to make it appear even darker. And as we've covered in past episodes, humans can have a certain kind of eye shine, where essentially light reflects off the blood in the back of the eyeball, causing a slight red reflection. Similar, if not exactly like red eye in the old film cameras. But we have to take John for his word here. And both he and his mother felt the encounter that they had to be more than odd. Now maybe it was the eyes. The oversized, almond-shaped eyes. Which I might point out is often how the eyes of the infamous men in black appear in countless eyewitness encounters. So take from all this what you may. But thank you, John, for sharing that entry. Now it's that time of the show, folks, where I start begging you to buy merchandise or subscribe to our Patreon campaign. But given that it's the holiday season, I bet you're all shopped out. So I'll just leave it at this. MonstersAmongUsPodcast.com forward slash shop and Patreon.com forward slash Monsters Among Us podcast. Okay, this next call is a doozy. And for those of you that like detailed UFO calls, this one from Zach in Texas is going to be right up your alley. Hello, Derek. This is Zach from Texas. I was visiting my friend because it had been very hot that day and my car rearview mirror had fallen off now that plays a part in this story this happened in 2011 around the end of july i had gone over there to repair my car because i was young and dumb and never really played with fixing vehicles or anything like that you know so my friend was a mechanic you know it was a simple fix the rearview mirror just fell off but i didn't know how to fix it so anyway, we spent the whole day, you know, getting stuff to fix that. And at the end of that, you know, I decided to hang out with them for a few hours while I was over there. Now, this part plays a little bit of a thing with the story is that I had damaged my hearing a little bit from swimming inside like swimmer's ear. So I could hear really low noises, but I couldn't hear anything. And I could hear really low. I know this might sound weird extraordinary lower noises than I normally could hear. I don't know why, but sometimes when you get in the water, that affects my hearing where I can hear really low noises that I wouldn't normally hear, like air conditioners and things like that seem louder. That's the only way I can explain it. So anyway, it's at the end of the night, and mind you, this is a clear night. This is in the middle of a a very populated neighborhood. You would expect it to be out in the middle of a a field somewhere, but anyway, I digress. I'm in the middle of of a populated neighborhood, and I go to look through my rearview mirror, and I hadn't actually fixed it yet. All it needed was glue, and he just showed me how to do it, and he didn't put it on. So out of habit, I'm trying to leave, and I look through my rearview mirror to check it as I'm pulling out of the drive and into the thing just to make sure that nobody's behind me and I see three lights. At first I thought, 
what is a helicopter doing that low to the ground? You know, and I'm just mind boggled. I'm like, what? what? And then I started thinking, I'm, I'm looking at these lights and I'm like, why isn't it making any noise? I mean, it's, it's a helicopter. It should be making noise. And I don't know what compelled me, but I just got out of the car to see if I could hear this. And I get out of the car and I look up and it's like straight out of the old movies, the type of UFO, the domed, curved, saucer-type UFO. It doesn't look exactly like that, but the general shape is very clear. I could see under it. I could see it was kind of being uh, illuminated by a street lamp, and I could see under it a little bit. I could see three circular lights in a triangle formation that were sort of looking like uh, recessed lighting up underneath, like maybe in a house or something. Those style of lights. One was a white light, one was a red light, one was a green light, but they weren't the same tone of red and green as normal aircraft. They were very faint. They were very, like they had a frosted glass sort of appearance over them. That's the best way I can describe it. It was a dome-shaped craft that had sort of like a dome that meets a triangular base. That's the best way I can describe it. It's like an elongated triangle the word that I needed to say escapes me, but it's like an elongated triangle that met a dome top, and where the dome is, there's grates and vents that look like maybe some sort of air, you know, manipulator, I don't know. It just looked like a vent, like a grate. The top of it was silver. The bottom was black. It was around, getting close to midnight, around 11 o'clock, maybe, so I'm, I'm looking at this thing, and I'm not necessarily feeling any fear or anything. I'm just, like, dumbfounded that I'm looking at it. I'm not. I'm kind of looking around, like, trying to find. I'm I literally looking around trying to see if there was anybody out. And I can hear as it's kind of going across me. It, it's about maybe maybe 30 feet up in the air. It was illuminated by a street lamp. And it was about the size of a car, around the size of a car, and making almost no noise, almost no noise. I could hear a sort of low air conditioner type noise, and this was making a woo, like that sort of noise. But if I hadn't been able to hear really, really low sounds, I wouldn't have been able to hear it. If in the car, I would have been able to hear it if I was in a house. And it's just kind of very slowly meandering, is what I can put it, across the sky. And it's headed towards where I was, towards the highway. And it just sort of slowly meanders and drifts until it's out of view and is gone. Just like that. I mean, this whole encounter probably couldn't have lasted more than two minutes at the most. By the time I stopped, got out, looked up at it. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm just standing there looking at the sky. And, and all of a sudden, it occurs to me, like, I need to check around and see if there's there's got to be somebody else out here, right? I mean, I'm in the middle of a basically a suburb, you know, cul-de-sac type area. There's got to be somebody else out here. And I'm looking around, and the street is just dead. I'm the only person on the street. I've, I've thought about this. 
almost every day. And I, I sit there for a minute just looking at, I'm just dumbfounded about what I should do, when I should go. Kind of laughed a little bit. I was like, are you serious? And then all of a sudden I started thinking like, well, I've seen this. Who's going to want to know if I've seen this, if, you know, I started to get afraid. I've always been afraid of being, of telling my story because of ridicule and things like that. I, I really don't want to be ridiculed. I, I have been ridiculed one time in the past and it kind of like makes me not want to tell my story. But most people are pretty accepting and perceptive of what I say I saw. But, uh, yeah, it was very scary. I often say that I kind of always wanted to see something when I was a kid that, oh, it'd be so cool to see Bigfoot or whatever, you know, just, and after I did see it, I kind of wish I hadn't seen it because you don't know what's out there. Anyway, thanks for doing what you do and I hope you have a good night. Congratulations on your marriage and thanks for letting us tell our stories. Bye. Thank you, Zach. That's exactly how I like my submissions. Detail-oriented. And what a story it was. And not all that dissimilar from Andy's entry from earlier in the show. The same or similar triangle shape. The three lights on the corners. Albeit different colors. But also the behavior of the craft. Both seem to float by carelessly without concern of detection. So is this again... As I suggested earlier, a classified military machine. Perhaps the before-mentioned TR-3B Black Manta. Or, as this video might suggest, are these foreign to even our own military? LA-based investigative filmmaker Jeremy Corbell recently released this video taken by the Navy, showing what he describes as pyramid-shaped UFOs flying over the USS Russell off the San Diego coast in July of 2019. The Pentagon has since confirmed that the video is authentic. It's part of a recent data dump by Corbell and investigative reporter George Knapp. Now that by courtesy of KCOP Fox News 11 out of my local area of Los Angeles. So if the reports and claims mentioned in this clip are true, there is some sort of higher intelligence at work here. Where is it from? Another dimension? Another time? Or perhaps... Somewhere in the stars. Thanks again, Zach, for taking the time to share. Now, folks, let's uh, switch gears here a bit. This next one is from Catherine in the state of Indiana. Hi, Derek. My name is Catherine. I'm from Northern Ireland, but I live in Indiana. I'm calling regards to my mom. My mom passed away 12 years ago from breast cancer, and there was a couple of strange things happened around that time. As she was becoming less lucid, she would recall seeing her father in the room, and I heard on an earlier episode where you mentioned sometimes people from the other side come to help the person cross over. As my mom was passing, I guess, about three days before, she started saying these things like she said that I needed to get a blanket because I was cold, which I wasn't at the time. She said that my husband had to put his pants on, which would kind of give us all a laugh. And then she said something about my brother and smelling toast. And, you know, we thought she was just talking, just things that came to her mind. 
But the day that she passed, as she was passing, the minutes before, my husband was getting ready to get in the shower. He was starting to undress, so he had his pants off. My brother was making toast. And in Ireland, there is a belief that as a person passes, you should open the window so that their soul can leave. So the lady that was there with us, she opened the window and it was November, so it was freezing. So I was cold and I grabbed the blanket. That still touches me that that all came together in that way. Another thing regarding my mom's passing was she'd had breast cancer for a number of years, but it moved to her brain. She died in November, but from the January of that year, I started seeing the numbers 1111 pop up on clocks and receipts and anything digital. And I started noticing it and it became more and more that I was like, wow, that's kind of weird. And you know, as it happened, it increased um, over the summer and it really increased during the time that she was very sick. I went over there and, and um, supported her through that. And as it kept happening and kept happening like morning and night, morning and night, I would see it really without looking for it. You know, a lot of people put it down to you just become conscious of those numbers. And I, I truly don't believe that's what it was. It, it was showing itself to me. I didn't tell anyone. I didn't tell my husband because I thought he would think I was crazy. But as she was sick, the date 11-11 came and, you know, in the back of my mind, I was like, oh my goodness, is this related? And then the day she passed, I started getting nervous around 11-11 in the morning because I thought, oh my goodness, is this significant? And she actually passed at four o'clock, so it wasn't 11-11, but I guess four ones. It's just very bizarre. The next day, I, oh, I think it was a couple of days later after I'd been to the funeral home, the person who had done her makeup was not her colors or style, so I grabbed her makeup bag. I got in the car to redo her makeup, and I had seen 11-11 on two clocks before I left. I was driving her car. When I got into her car to the head of the funeral home, she had her car set late so that she, the time late, so that she would always be on time. And it was 11-11 again, and so that was three times that morning. So the, that night I told my husband, I, I told him what had been happening and he was very open and kind of surprised to hear, you know, how often it had been happening and how weird circumstances that had happened. And at the funeral, after the funeral, my best friend, I opened up and shared with her and she called me the next morning from work and she was like, you've got to check the internet. And, you know, I thought something crazy had happened and she was like, you have to type in 1111. So I did, and all this stuff came up with regards to gates or gates to another portal. There was stuff from Yuri Geller, but it turned out that it was a number that a lot of people see. And still to this day, it will pop up. For example, I was brushing my teeth the other night. I had my phone sitting on the countertop, and it turned on. I didn't touch it. I don't think anything touched it. Like I said, I was brushing my teeth, and the screen flashed up. It was 11-11. My husband sees it occasionally, too. But I think the significance to me was when it's, you know, that it started that year that she was sick and became so frequent. So I just wanted to share my story. Thank you, Catherine. Now, of course, we're sorry about your loss. But what an amazing string of events surrounding her final moments. All three strange statements suddenly put into context. Honestly, it's more eerie the more you think about it. But as for the number sequence, I can't help but feel that's more of a trick of the brain than some divine source forcing you to see and notice a certain sequence of numbers. I can't help but think that if an entity has the ability to force you to see that, then 
They clearly have better ways of communicating. But there are plenty of people out there that disagree with me. And those folk, the new age types, astrologists, spiritual healers, they refer to them as angel numbers. And they claim that an angel number is often seen as a sign from the universe. A sign that something or someone is working on your behalf. Now all this is pretty fringe, even for this program. So we're going to cap that bottle here. But that said, it's a fascinating entry, Catherine. And thank you for taking the time to share. Now wouldn't you know... This brings us to our final entry for the evening. And I have a great one lined up, just for you. Here to put your hairs on end. Please, welcome Phoenix, from California, to the program. Hello, this is Phoenix from California. I'm currently calling, though, from the middle of the desert in Utah, sitting by the campfire, so it's perfect time to tell you about my story. I was living in Baltimore at the time. I think it was like 2010 at 24 Kenwood Drive. And me and my partner at the time and my son and his girlfriend moved into this row home. And it started when I was first unpacking. It's two girls. So We can never split a closet, so my girlfriend at the time had the closet in the bedroom, and there was this, like, little tiny triangle-shaped, like, under-the-stairs kind of closet outside the bedroom door, so I used that closet for my closet. So we were unpacking, I was putting all my shoes in the closet, and we woke up the next day, and my shoes, like, three, three different pairs of shoes were, like, sitting like directly right in front of my closet outside our bedroom door and these were like shoes that I never wore so they were like at the teeny tip of the triangle closet like I had to crawl back to put these shoes in and I was like what the hell like why and I asked my girlfriend I'm like why did you drag out these shoes I never wear these shoes and she's like I was so pissed that you left those shoes there I tripped over them this morning you know what the hell were you thinking so you know it's just kind of like didn't think that much of it just like weird like okay that's that's weird but but what are you gonna do you're like just moved into the house that's just weird so I would say maybe a week or two later I was sleeping and we both worked as ER nurses and I worked at one hospital she worked another but whatever uh she was at work and I went to sleep there was no one else in the house my son and his girlfriend were working too so I go to sleep and I wake up And outside of her closet door are two pairs of scrub pants that are pulled out so that the waist of the scrub pants is inside the closet, like perfectly laying under the tiny crack in the closet door. And the legs are like perfectly laid out so that like I can't get out of bed without stepping on these scrub pants because the bed's like right there. There's like a three foot space and they were not there like that when I went to bed at all so I was just like oh my god this is so crazy so weird right I I just told her about it and she was like oh my god like you know I keep turning off the water in the bathroom sink and it's it's always on I don't know what the hell at first I thought it was the kids and they kept coming up and using that water but 
you know, what are we going to do? We, we're living here now. It's just like, okay, well, what, well, what do you do? It's just weird. So I was like, well, whatever the hell. Maybe it's like some alternate dimension where these other people are. I don't know. I was making up all sorts of excuses for it in my head. So one day I was sleeping again in the room and we have like this giant door sized Ikea mirror in there that we mounted to the wall with wire like like you're supposed to. And I was asleep and we had this little pug that was sleeping there. And I wake up to just crash and the mirror just like fell and like shattered. I'm surprised it didn't kill the dog, but I was just like, okay, that's it. Like I can't sleep in this room anymore because we thought, well, maybe it's just like this room. So we move all of our stuff from this master bedroom area to this tiny room in the back of the house, like thinking, okay, Maybe that, maybe that'll be it. Like, maybe that'll stop this crazy shit that's happening. And then one day we were both sleeping. It was daytime in the new tiny back room. And we had just moved into that room, like, oh, I don't know, like a few days. Um, we're both sleeping and we wake up because there's like a knock, like not a knock. It's like a pounding on the bedroom door. So we, we wake up and we're just really angry. Well, she was very angry because she thought it was my son, Zach. So she's like, Zach, you know, what, what are you doing? Like, stop it, we're trying to sleep. And like, it stopped. So we're like, okay, whatever. And I thought, well, maybe it's like next door. Something's happening next door. So we, again, try and go to sleep. And like, there's this pounding on the door. And here's the thing. It was so loud that the door was, literally shaking like the door shook and so she was just furious because she really thought it was Zach so she goes runs opens the door no one is there we run downstairs like all the way to the kids slept in the basement all the way to the basement and the kids are there but they are sound asleep like we have to wake them up so we tell them what happened and they're like, oh, my God, they, they both had like all these stories of things that had happened in the house to them. So that was it. We were just like, OK, we're, we're done. We're just done. Like, can't do this anymore. So we uh, we move out. We get a truck. We rented a truck the next day, just packed our stuff. We called the landlord and we're like, hey, you know, this is crazy. All this, this stuff is going on in, in the house. And we, we need to move out. Like, we need to break the lease. And he wouldn't let us. And this is how bad it was. We just paid the rest of the lease. Like, thousands of dollars. We just, we just paid it. And as we were moving our stuff out, things, like, got crazy escalated. Like, literally, you could turn off the water and, like, walk away. And it would turn back on. And we're like cleaning the kitchen and you same that kitchen cabinet thing. It's so weird, but it's true. And if, if you don't believe it until it just happens to you, and then what are you going to do? You're like, well, that just happened. It just happened. Like, I don't know what to say, but that happened. So we get everything out and it was so like the energy was so bad that we were cleaning the basement and we had some stuff left down there and the vacuum was down there and we were trying to get some stuff up and then the vacuum cleaner downstairs with no one down there and all of us there just turns on and we just left it we just we just left it we left everything that was down there 
and we just left and paid tons of money. Anyhow, I just wanted to share that story and the landlord still says the house wasn't haunted. I've not seen anything online about that house being haunted, but my ex-girlfriend now has like a ton of her own stories and my son and his girlfriend have like their own stories from this house, but it was it was just crazy. I don't know what to say, but I'm so glad I got out. Anyway, that's my story and thanks for listening. That's incredible stuff. Thank you, Phoenix, for sharing. Now, I always wondered what mentality leads to people abandoning everything to flee these conditions. You hear stories like this throughout the paranormal realm. And believe it or not, it's not always ghosts that send people packing. I can think of a couple homes that were abandoned because of Bigfoot or Bigfoot-like creatures rather than something ghostly. But what could possibly cause activity so bad to cause Phoenix and her family to flee? Now, my first move in situations like these is to check the history. I, like Phoenix, could not find anything on the specific address that would make me think a haunting is warranted. No fires, no murders, no tragedies. So I broadened my search, got a bigger net, and that's when I hit the mother load. On September 13th, 1814, British forces pushed their way through Washington, D.C., leaving the city in a burning inferno. They were headed toward Baltimore, on foot from the southwest, on the sea via the Chesapeake Bay. But unlike D.C., the citizens and soldiers of Baltimore were ready. The city was fortified, some 20,000 American soldiers were assembled, and a three-mile trench was dug across the city to create a line of defense. The centerpiece of this massive entrenchment fell in the northwest corner of what is now known as Patterson Park, a park that just happens to be practically across the street from the row house Phoenix lived in. Less than 1,000 feet from the front door, to be specific. Now, I tried for way too long to find the number of casualties from that specific area, but alas, I came up empty. Now, there was some fighting in that area, but from my understanding, the British almost instantly retreated from that section of the front line. But there were numerous casualties in the Battle of Baltimore. Some 24 Americans killed, 39 wounded, and 46 British killed, with 300-plus wounded. Now, it was a major win for the Americans and helped them extend the War of 1812. And as if that wasn't enough historical significance. The park was later used as a Union troop encampment during the Civil War. So there's plenty of dramatic history in the area to warrant some ghostly stories. But was that enough historical significance to cause the terrifying experience that Phoenix reported? Or is it possible that there just might be something going on in the city of Baltimore? Paranormal experts say Baltimore is one of the most haunted cities in the country, and waterfront neighborhoods like Fells Point are packed with spirits and ghosts. It used to be a port, 
and port towns are notorious for hauntings because people live really intense lives and sometimes they don't want to leave. Craig Coletta from Baltimore Ghost Tour says one popular haunt nearby the Fells Family Cemetery is the resting place for the founders of Fells Point. He says they're among the many lingering souls. Now that one courtesy of WJZ CBS 13 out of Baltimore. And I should point out, the Fells Point area mentioned in the clip is only about a mile as the crow flies from the house Phoenix was in. It sits just on the other side of Patterson Park. So thanks again, Phoenix. I certainly hope these suggestions help you find some answers. And that's going to do it for this episode. Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support is provided by Sarah Carter Hayes and Addie Lloyd. All audio used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. And keep the party rolling by following us on social media. We have accounts at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And while you're at it, please leave us a rate and review if your podcatcher allows. And the terrifying score you heard this evening was provided by Co.AG Music, Iron Cthulhu Apocalypse, and Carl Casey and White Bat Audio. Now before I duck out of here, tomorrow would have been my brother's 35th birthday. But tragically, he took his own life just a few short years ago. Now it's well known that the holidays can be tough for a lot of us. So if you're struggling or know someone that is, please do what you can to seek help. And trust me when I say, despite what you may feel inside, there are people out there that care. Please, everyone be safe and have a good night. Now tonight's secret entry comes to us from an anonymous source in the state of Massachusetts. Hi Derek, I'm calling from Massachusetts, but my story actually takes place in Florida a while ago, and I'm going to leave my name out of it because it's not my story, but the friend who it happened to called me immediately after it happened. So I grew up in South Florida, Boca Raton, and my best friend at the time stayed back there to go to college. And in 2006, this was our freshman year of college, I had moved away about four and a half hours north. And one night I got a call from her and she was basically freaking out. And you could tell she was really scared. And she just like needed to say what had just happened to her. So basically her whole story was, When she was a kid, the house that she was currently living in, they were living in back when she was, you know, in elementary school. And other than her parents' room, there were two other bedrooms. And she used to sleep in the bedroom that was not her room at the time, so what their current guest bedroom was. 
And she used to have this nightmare every night, or maybe not every night, but like frequently. She had a reoccurring dream that she would be in the house. She would walk up to what was at the time her bedroom door. She would open the door and she would just feel that like deep sense of dread and doom. And the wall would start to sort of melt. It was almost like there was like a portal that was opening in the wall and she would just get so scared and then wake up. Anyways, I guess she just kind of forgot about that dream because she ended up moving into the other bedroom and when that happened, the dream stopped and she was still a kid and grew up and didn't really, I think, ever think about it again. And then her grandmother started living with them in our senior year of high school and she was pretty old. She was definitely in her mid to late 80s, I would say. And her grandma started staying in that room that my friend used to have those dreams in. But at this point, my friend still hadn't really thought about those dreams in a really long time. Anyway, I guess there was one afternoon where she heard her grandma call out. And so uh, my friend goes running into the room and she's in that bedroom. And she's like, Grandma, you know, are you okay? I heard you cry out. And her grandma was standing in the middle of the room and like swiping at the bed as if like there was something on it and she was trying to get it off, almost like you would wipe crumbs away or something. And she had this sort of like far away look in her eyes. And she was also doing that to herself, like to her arms, like she was trying to wipe something off of her. And she was like, it's dripping on me. It's dripping on me. It's everywhere and it's dripping. And my friend, she thought maybe her grandma was just having like an episode. Not that her grandma had ever had that before, but because she's old, she was like, oh, maybe it's, you know, she's starting to lose it. So she, you know, just stayed there with her grandma. And like after a few seconds, her grandma sort of snapped out of it and just acted like everything was normal. It was like, oh, uh, like, you know, sorry. So my friend was like, okay, that's kind of weird. And then the evening that she called me, this was a different day. And my friend had been out late that night. She'd gone down to Miami to, I don't know, go to a club or something. And she got home and her grandma was still up. And she thought that was really weird because her grandma normally went to bed at like eight or nine or some early time. She was like, grandma, what are you doing up? And her grandma was like, oh, I just, I've been having trouble sleeping lately. You know, it's fine. And my friend was trying to get more info out of her and was like, you know, I've just been sometimes I see things at night and it keeps me up and like, don't worry about it. I'll talk to you about it when your parents get home. And that reminds me, a key part of this story, I guess, is that her parents were gone for a few months because they're from another country. And so it was just my friend and the grandma living in that house for a little while. So when she said that, my friend was like, I think at this point had sort of remembered everything that had happened to her in that room as a child and her dreams. And she told her grandma, you know, listen, you can tell me because maybe I've seen the things that you've seen and I know what you're talking about. And her grandma basically told her that sometimes at night, the wall will open up. It'll like start dripping and morphing and a big sort of like cave opening in the wall will open up. And then a figure steps out of the wall, like a really like old man, I think and takes her grandma by the hand and brings her into the wall and leads her down this really, really long, dark, dripping cave system, I guess, and that it's just really scary and sort of hellish in a way. 
And But when she heard her say that, she was obviously just so terrified. And then she called me that night and told me this whole story. And it's just always stuck with me because, you know, she doesn't really tell ghost stories at all. Like, it's not her thing. And I could tell she was really scared. And, man, I will always remember that story. Anyways, I hope I didn't mess that up too bad. Thank you. Bye, Derek. Thank you, caller. Now there's a new one. Now, I'm not sure if the grandmother confirming the memories of her caller's friend was a comforting thing or not. On one hand, if she saw it too, chances are good that the friend wasn't seeing things or suffering from an overactive imagination. But on the other hand, if she saw it too, then chances are, whatever it was, it was real. It's terrifying stuff, caller. So thank you so much for sending it our way. And thank you for sticking around to the end of the program. Have a good night.